What's up, Whisper Nation, and welcome into the Week 10 Matchup Preview Show. And we are actually getting through part two of this with me, your host, Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at Big Travi TFW. And I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Austin Sear, ARC, as I like to call him. Right here. You can find him on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. Austin, Week 10, man, we've only got four weeks left until the fantasy football playoffs start. So we've got to help Whisper Nation. This is a stretch run, man. This is the stretch run, and this is the time when league mates of yours are going to start getting complacent. They're going to start uh, passing opportunities by they would not have in the beginning of the year. And some of the opportunities available at this point in the year are the best opportunities you're going to see all season. So this now is the death lean in time when you can really get an advantage. And hey, if you're on the lower side of your league, it's an actual opportunity to jump up. You might be able to grab one of those last remaining playoff positions if you can play these last few weeks right. So now is not the time to slouch. Yeah, we've got probably your fantasy football trade deadline approaching quickly. We've got waivers popping off. This week actually turned out to be one of the better waiver periods that we've had in a couple of weeks with some of the names that are available out there. Um, and so, like you said, Austin, it's encouraging to see. I mean, this season's been kind of a grind. I mean, not mm-hmm. kind of. It's been a grind. And so it's encouraging to see some names pop up. And if you're resilient, if you can kind of push through, uh, this is a good time to get geared up. So we're going to dive into these games uh, as we talked about in the first one on the slate, pretty excited about this one. Actually, the Miami Dolphins are hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. The dichotomy of these teams could not be much different. We've got a team in Miami that is finding ways to win game. And then we've got a team in the Chargers, which is finding ways to lose them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got the Chargers on, on the fr- They're the away team. Uh, Miami actually favored in this one by two and a half points. Justin Herbert just continues to ball out doing really well. Um, and it's and it's making a lot of these players relevant. So Austin, I mean, it's pretty much auto start Justin Herbert from here until we see something different, right? Until we see something different. That's absolutely what I would agree with Big Travi. If you look at his last three games in particular, 40 attempts plus per game. And that's fantasy gold right there. Opportunity is king, as we say all the time. And you also mentioned about how often the Chargers find themselves in these losing positions. Another great position to find your fantasy football quarterback in. Continually having to play from behind and catch up points. Doing that through yards, rushing on the ground, whatever it might be to put yourself in a position to grab extra touchdowns. And that's another thing we've seen out of Justin Herbert in these last three weeks. You go back even further than that. The man hasn't dipped below two passing touchdowns since week three, uh, weeks four, five, seven, and eight. Uh, and nine, we had a buy in there week six. He's had at least two passing touchdowns. And in week five, he grabbed four passing touchdowns. And the amount of volume that's coming out of his arm, and I project to continue coming out, would keep him in your fantasy lineup until we see otherwise. He's not going to be the most accurate or best passer on the football field every single time, but it really doesn't matter because he loves to chuck the ball. He's got great weapons around him. The opportunity is there for him and the pace of play is going to continue to dictate this type of production. And he spreads the ball around, right? Uh, Austin, like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, Johnson, Jalen Guyton, Reed, the guy who who dropped the touchdown, uh, the backup tight end, we've got Hunter Henry involved. So he's really throwing to a lot of different guys, which lets you know one thing. He's not afraid and he's got weapons for days, but 
The next thing is like, man, this guy is actually probably going to be good for a long time. That's exciting to see. But let's go into those pass catchers, Austin, and give us a little bit of your breakdown. As far as this matchup, they're going up against Miami. They've got Miami's got some strong cornerbacks, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think we're afraid of anything as far as Keenan Allen's concerned, right? No, I wouldn't really be nervous about any of the pass catching options. Keenan Allen's a must start moving forward. The volume that we've seen Keenan Allen receive this season, even with Justin Herbert here, has been in that elite territory. And Big Mike Williams is boom or bust looking like most weeks, but his booms have been fantastic. And I think he's going to continue to develop more rapport. He was hurt at the beginning of the year. He got hurt a little bit in the middle of the season as well. And Mike Williams, I think, should be a comfortable flex option, wide receiver three option for you. Moving forward most weeks, just keep an eye out for some of those down ones because the volume isn't always there the way it is with Keenan Allen getting his double-digit targets every single week. Yeah, but Mike Williams still seven or more targets in three of his last four. So, like, he's even booming more than he's busting. So, I I really like what you said there. Like, he's on that wide receiver three flex radar. And then when it booms, like, that's winning you your week, right? You're really excited about what's going on there. What about Hunter Henry? We saw him get a little bit more involved, but he just hasn't really popped like we want him to. Yeah, Hunter Henry is the tight end in Los Angeles. He was on the field for 99% of the snaps in week nine. Seven targets, you like to see that, but just four receptions for 33 yards. We go back into some of the previous weeks, similar types of snap percentages on the field all the time, but he hasn't broken 40 yards since week three against Carolina. So he's not getting down the field. His yards per route run aren't stellar. Um, He's an integral part of this offense and he's the tight end. Um, There's no other tight end that you'd even consider, Um, but you just haven't seen it pop yet. We'll see if that changes as him and Herbert's rapport continues to develop, but you're not stoked about Hunter Henry in your lineups and you could probably can you, you weren't thinking of Hunter Henry as a streamable f- a tight end option, but I think you really need to consider him as one moving forward. Yeah. And it's like at, at that position, it's, it's really hard to find anybody that's going to give you at least more snap percentage and, and run more routes than Hunter Henry's been running. I think he could be a, a sign for positive regression as the, as the well, year look, right. Look at all the things going on. You've got a quarterback who loves to chuck the ball. You've got a tight end who's in on every single snap. You've got a tight end who has physical prowess, um, yeah. boom potential. He just hasn't done it yet, but if he busts out for a hundred plus yards and two touchdowns any week, nobody's surprised. We just haven't right. seen it happen yet. Yeah, and we see this all the time. You know, players start slow and then end up popping off at the end of the year. And then who knows, if he pops off at the end of the year, we're talking Hunter Henry, top five guy next year because of that nice end of the year. So a lot of things in his range of outcomes, like you said, exactly. Let's talk about those running backs because Justin Jackson got injured, only played about four snaps last week. We saw, I can't believe we're saying it, but Kalen Balazs come back to life for the Chargers. And then, of course, you've got Joshua Kelly, all these guys working in a weird rotation kind of an ugly rotation with Austin Eckler out. Do you, can you make any sense of what's going on in that backfield right now? I'm, you know, I think a lot of us have been trying to make sense of the Josh Kelly role this whole season. And I think Josh Kelly is going to be one of those second year running backs. We see take a leap, but he's being thrust into a position. I don't think they really wanted to see him be so responsible for having Eckler go down. And so he's going to be involved. He has a future in their running back room, but it's going to take a little time for Kelly to develop. And in the meantime, I think you're going to see whoever is more ready to go for that game 
fill right in. And this time it was Kalen Balaj, and he did not do a bad job. Yeah. 15 carries, led the team, 69 yards, caught a couple of passes, two receptions on three targets for 15 yards. He got that touchdown as well. Now, this was the best Josh Kelly game we've seen from a metric standpoint in a while, 28 yards on nine carries, um, f- above three yards a carry. It's not amazing, but he hasn't been great from a metric standpoint. Maybe a little competition behind him is going to light a fire under his butt, but I don't think that he's going to be the lead back until he claims it. And he didn't do it last week and Kalen Balaj looked good. And if you bring a guy in and he does what Kalen Balaj did, you're going to keep giving him opportunities. Yeah, it's weird. Kalen Balaj deactivated or, or sent back down to the practice squad on Monday after having that great game. And you yeah. just wonder, is Justin Jackson better than they thought? Uh, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they're going to try and give Kelly more work. Uh, keep an eye on Balaj's status. Cause I have to, I have to say if they activate him back again, he'd probably be worth a, a spot start, maybe flex range. If Jackson's in, and obviously if Balaj is not uh, on the roster, starting roster, he's not going to be playing for you. But if they do have him started and Jackson's ailments continue, I would be starting Balaj over Kelly um, until you have a reason not to. I like that take there. All right, on the other side of the ball, Austin, we've got the Miami Dolphins hosting this game. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa actually – kind of came out and did a better job this last week against your uh, second team, your Arizona Cardinals there. Uh, Really just this team continues, this Miami team, whether it's defensively, um, efficiency from the quarterback position, it doesn't matter who's at running back. They're going to put them in there. Um, They're looking good. Are you okay rolling the dice with Tua again? This this is a great matchup on paper for Tua, Um, but I I put him in the waiver article as a streamer. How is your confidence after looking a a little bit at the numbers? Well, from somebody in their league of record who's had a lot of quarterback issues all season after Dak Prescott <laughs> going down, I would be happy to roll out to a going up against the Chargers this week. I was happy to roll out Derek Carr last week going up against the Chargers. We'll talk about that more later. But the Chargers do present a very prime opportunity, especially for a young quarterback coming in here who has only gotten two starts under his belt. I think there's a really good shot of the Miami Dolphins trying to press to the rest of the season to see how good his arm is, to see what his strengths really look like. I think they're going to be throwing the ball down the field. I don't think they're going to be trying to manage games here. I think they want to know what his ceiling can look like in the limited amount of time remaining. And this is a great opportunity for him to be going up against the Chargers and to flex a little on what he's about coming off of two wins. Uh, The first one really wasn't, his responsibility, he didn't have a lot to do with that. That was a really good team effort. But this last week, 20 for 28, 248 yards, a couple of touchdowns, no picks, and got it done on the ground too with seven carries for 35 yards rushing. Um, he gives you a shot to win games. And even with Preston Williams going to be out next week, most likely, I like the weapons and I like the chances for two up against this defense. Well, let's talk about those weapons. Let's start with Devontae Parker and that wide receiving core. And it looks like uh, Preston Williams, you know, he got carted off after a, a celebration accident. Uh, saw him get hurt. So let's talk about those wide receivers and your confidence level against this Chargers secondary. Yeah, I think Devontae Parker's in for a really good game coming up here. He's been battling a lot of tissue issues all season long, and it's not getting reported as much because he's just gritting it and playing through him. He's talked about how he wants to level up his game, and he's got to be on the field for that to happen. So I believe that trend is going to continue, and Parker's going to be, I think, in a great spot this week. You know, last week we saw him catch six passes on seven attempts for 64 yards. That led the team, and Preston Williams caught that touchdown. But again, he's likely going to be out. It's day-to-day which is a relief for Preston William managers out there. The 
x-rays came back clean, but it's a sprain. He got carted off. I'd be surprised to see him back next week and especially back uh, uh, primed and ready to go. But when we look at those other players over there, I think Parker's in for a really good matchup this week coming up. And Gusecki has been a disappointment the last couple of weeks at the tight end position, but um, I like this situation here going up against the Chargers. Yeah, I think both of those guys are, are, are solid starts this week, and I think that makes two. Obviously, we say when the weapons look good, uh, the quarterback looks good, and this is a good spot, especially we mentioned the over-under. Last bit of business here for the Miami Dolphins. Let's talk about this running back backfield. Obviously, we have Miles Gaskin on the IR. Um, that activated Jordan Howard, but also we've got a guy out of nowhere who I have to make sure I pronounce his uh, name right. I think it's Salvan Ahmed. Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy, you know, I remember seeing him go off for, you know, not not a lot, but looked effective, looked like he had burst. I said, who is this guy? Um, so what, what have you seen? What do you what do you like going into this one against the Chargers here? I'll put it really anecdotally and plain and simple. He's new news. And Philly Chelsea yeah. coined that one. And you know who's not new news? Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard is old news. Yeah. Jordan Howard was slotted to be the running back in Miami. It was a competition between, is it Breda? Is it going to be Howard? And then it was Gaskin. We know what Jordan Howard's about. They're still giving him the goal line work. They did that with him last week. He picked up that touchdown, uh, but had 1.9 yards per carry, 19 yards and 10 carries compared to Ahmed's seven carries for 38 yards. He's more efficient right now in open field. It seems as if they know what Jordan Howard's about. They're comfortable with him just being that goal line back. And I think that trend continues. I think he, uh, right now, Ahmed is filling in that Gaskin role, but, Howard is elevating to reclaim his former goal line voucher one, if you will. Yeah, the, the definitely poaching some work there. If you had to start one of these guys um, in this matchup, are, are you rolling with Ahmed's like in between the 20s yardage and potentially maybe break a big play? Or are you rolling with the three carries, one touchdown Jordan Howard? It's the, the ceiling plays with Ahmed here, and I am I love rolling out the in between the 20s halfback, just keeping my fingers crossed. He can't he, – breaks one out on the 21 and has a 21 yard touchdown run. Um, You do that. You're going to outscore nearly guaranteed Jordan Howard or any other poachers overall output. Um, So I would be playing for the yards and the overall carry opportunities and not banking just on a goal line, a goal line touch. Yeah. I'm hoping they end up doing what they did with Gaskin and eventually just give them the the goal line work too. I mean, that's what you want to see here, especially if you picked them up on waivers. All right. The next game on the slate is those Las Vegas Raiders who just, uh, won a nail-biter against the Chargers, as we mentioned. The Raiders will be hosting the Denver Broncos in a 51.5 point over-under with Las Vegas favored by five. This set, sets up to be quite a bit of shootout, which means there's going to be some points to be had here. And when we look at the Denver side of the ball, Drew Locke's heating up a little bit. It's taking him a little bit of time in these games, but over the last two, um, he's looked pretty good. Austin, do you have any faith in him as a streamer? We've got Pat Mahomes on by. Um, we've got a few others on by and some injuries hitting up. Are, are you looking to stream Drew Locke this week? He's a definitely a streamable option. This is a what have you done for me recently league. And we look at Drew Locke's performance in week nine. It's not bad. 313 yards on 25 attempts, 48 completions. He had two touchdowns, an interception. And then on the ground was making it happen for you as well. Seven carries, 47 yards and a touchdown. That's over 10 points in six point or standard scoring from his work on the ground uh, plus the 313 yards passing and multiple passing touchdowns. So when you look at what he did recently and then going up against the Las Vegas 
Raiders pass defense, which ranks 31 out of 32 in the NFL. I think, yeah, Drew Locke is definitely a streamable option this week. Talk to me a little bit about these Denver running backs because it's not looking very pretty. We have oh Melvin God. Gordon, who basically hasn't had over 30 yards in the last two weeks. You've got Philip Lindsay, who hasn't had over 10 carries in the last three weeks. How can you make sense of this? Can you trust either of these ones? Because the Las Vegas Raiders have been had on the ground. Right. The Las Vegas Raiders rank 26th in rush defense. I think they have a good chance of letting up a massive chunk of yardage to either one of these running backs this week, Melvin Gordon or Phillip Lindsay. Melvin Gordon has been dominating the snap percentage. He had 60% of the snaps last week compared to Lindsay's 38, but he has not been dominating from the production standpoint. Phillip Lindsay every single year overperforms what I think his coaches want him to do. He just like makes, they, they want to move on from him and he, forces them to reconsider. And while he hasn't been a world beater by any sense of the world, he has in a lot of metrics outperformed Melvin Gordon. Now, Melvin Gordon last week had six carries. Philip Lindsay had eight carries um, and 18 yards on the ground for Melvin Gordon and 23 yards on the ground for Philip Lindsay. This is not good performances, but it's keeping them competitive. And, I think this week coming up here, I would rather be starting Melvin Gordon. They're going to be giving him the opportunity. They want him to be uh, the running back. He's also able to catch the pass or excuse me, catch passes over three for Philip Lindsay last week. Um, and Melvin Gordon was able to catch his one pass last year or last week for nine yards. So I like either one this week. I think Melvin Gordon is the preferred start because of the opportunity, but don't be surprised to see either one of these uh, running backs actually break out for a pretty big game this week. I think that's smart uh, to take on those. I probably lean Gordon as well, and, and then you talk, we kind of got um, we kind of got uh, tricked into thinking that Philip Lindsay is this pass catcher and he's an elite pass catcher. That was a narrative that was going around in the offseason. That's not exactly the case. And he's just undersized. Right yeah, yeah. All right, so we've got the wide receivers here, though. Jerry Judy uh, kind of doing his thing, basically been a target monster for this offense. But Tim Patrick also getting some play. Mm-hmm in the last couple of weeks. What do you feel like, you know, you've got KJ Hamler finally healthy. Do you feel like you can roll out all three of these wide receivers, maybe rank them a bit and talk to us, talk us through that decision process. When, again, when we look at what have you done for me recently, Jerry Judy, not only did he have the best week last week, and I know KJ Hamler is also a rookie, but these guys are going to be progressing at crazy clips moving forward. Each week in the NFL is an entire semester of education for these up and coming future stars here. And especially in Jerry Judy, we know the role that the Denver Broncos want for Jerry Judy, and that's to be their number one. Cortland Sutton's going to have a bright future. Godspeed on his recovery. But Jerry Judy is one of the best wide receiver prospects coming out of the NFL this year in a very stacked draft class. And Judy showed you what he could do last week, catching half of his attempts 14 receptions seven catches 125 yards and a touchdown and he looked good like he looked like he could get it done out there kj hamler wasn't bad um you know we're talking about a player who has less expectations but came in with the role they slotted for him last week and he got it done six catches on 10 attempts 75 yards 
Um, but we haven't really seen much out of KJ Hamler all season. The week before, three for three, 13 yards. The week before that, three for two, 24 yards. And while Jerry Judy's production has been up and down as well, we know the role they want for him. Um, Double-digit targets the last two weeks. Um, and if you go back earlier in the season, you even had some games where he was able to pop a bit. Um, so I think that's what we want from Jerry Judy. I'd be ranking Jerry Judy as the one. Um, and then we also mentioned about Tim Patrick there, you know, third-year player here who last week finished um, with four catches on nine attempts, um, just 29 yards, but he did pull in that touchdown. So I'm going to go with them in that order, Judy Patrick and Hamler. Um, I think because of the rookies show you, they've got a higher ceiling coming in and we know what Patrick's kind of about. Uh, he's filling in that role nicely, but he's not going to be a ceiling raiser for this squad. Judy, I think is, and Patrick could get lucky and, and mess around and get a big game here. Noah Fant um, left this game against the Falcons and then came back, and now he's going to be set up here. Uh, didn't have the greatest game, but just showed his burst early and then got hobbled again, Again, I guess. Yeah. Are you okay with firing uh, Noah Fant up if he's healthy and, and off the injury report? It, if, if he's healthy, but I don't think he is, and I'm not going to be listening to the injury report on this one to get an indicator of how healthy Noah Fant really is. Noah Fant was one of our early season projected breakouts, and his first week really showed you what he can do. His future is bright. Um, but the NFL is such a competitive league. If you have a shed of your ability taken away from you, um, you're just not going to be standing out the way you would otherwise. And I think that's the position Noah Fant finds himself in right now. He's going to be a fine football player for the Broncos, but is he going to be the best player out there? Is he going to be, I'll, I'll say like this, if Noah Fant's health was where it is right now at the beginning of the year, would we be calling him a breakout player? And I'd say, no, I'd say no. He, he's just a guy, right? His, his physicality yeah. and his prowess is what gets you so excited. And he doesn't have that right now. He has the role on the team, um, which, which could opportunity alone find him in a good position, but he just doesn't have that allure or that upside that he did when he's truly healthy. Now he could at the end of the year, like come playoffs, let's keep an eye on where he's at. But the fact that he left the game and came back in the game, Hey man, you're tough. Like no one's here doubting your toughness, but you'd really like to see him just get healthy and come in and be himself. Yeah, we don't get points for toughness, unfortunately, in fantasy football. We need actual points on the field. So I, I like the take there. You might want to have some caution with Noah Fant. Um, obviously, there are some streamable options out there. On the Las Vegas side of the ball, we've got Derek Carr. I'm just going to start there, Austin, because Derek Carr, prior to the bye, was putting up multiple 20-point games. Mm -hmm. After the bye, he does have a Tampa game that he needed some garbage time to do, but a couple bad games against Cleveland and the Chargers. But he's got this matchup against Denver, who's been susceptible to fantasy quarterbacks. How are you feeling? Where's your confidence level on Derek Carr in this one? You know, Derek Carr has been a low-key option for the last couple of weeks, and his efficiency has been pretty good um, from a from the uh, passing in a clean pocket. He's like number four overall in the entire NFL. Um, when you look at the adjusted completion percentage. For Derek Carr, uh, he's right there is at the number 12 position. Um, he's not playing bad, and he's been throwing the ball deep better than he has in a long time, but the volume right now isn't there for him. You're going to need to have that Justin Herbert 40-plus chucking the ball, and he's just not doing that right now with Josh Jacobs having such a command on uh, the opportunity that's over there. They want to be a running team. They look like they're going to be a running team. And in this matchup against Denver, um, this is a weird matchup, right? Because you've got 
Las Vegas, that's a pretty good offense. And Denver, that's a pretty darn good defense. And then on the other side, Las Vegas's defense is pretty darn suspect. And I'd say Denver's offense from a consistency point of view is pretty suspect as well. So you've got this immovable rock meeting a, an unstoppable yeah. force, you know, B level coming at one another this week. <laughs> um, so I think Derek Carr in the right matchup can do really good things for you. This is a strange one because it's a high over under, like you mentioned at 51 and a half. Um, I, I actually kind of like it. I think they're going to do a better job of shutting down Josh Jacobs this week and they're going to force Derek Carr to beat them. I think you could see Derek Carr pulling in a couple of touchdown passes in the first half, going up ahead on the Broncos and then running it out with Jacobs. Um, I, I think it's actually kind of a sneaky all right week for Derek Carr, but just keep an eye on that Denver Broncos defense as they're the number three pass defense in the NFL right now. You mentioned Jacobs. He is the focal point of that offense. We know that much. Um, he, Devonta Booker got involved a little bit, Jalen Richard even, but we know that that's usually smoke and mirrors. We're going to get back probably to Jacobs being the, the, the guy here, the bell cow. Anything you want to add there with Josh Jacobs? They want Josh Jacobs to be the bell cow, but Josh Jacobs' efficiency just hasn't been amazing. It hasn't been amazing all season, especially compared to his rookie season. It hasn't been as good as he was then. Um, I mean, last week, 4.6 yards per carry on the 14 attempts that he had and 4.2 yards per carry the week before against Cleveland. But the majority of the season, he's been two yards per carry, three yards per carry. Um, He hasn't had multiple touchdowns since he's only had that twice and most weeks he doesn't get a touchdown for you. So it's, it's a a very volatile player right now. And Booker coming in there, I think is a wise move for him. I think they should continue to spell Jacobs. We talked about tough players early or here with Noah Fant and Josh Jacobs is another one of those tough players who grinds it out, who always wants to be on the field, but that really takes away from the pop that he can bring. I think they should keep getting Booker involved. I don't think he's a bad running back. Um, I think he does a nice job spelling Jacobs and them trying to make Josh Jacobs into this Le'Veon Bell from five years ago of giving him 40 touches a game. I don't think it's smart for the game they're trying to win, nor is it smart for the future ahead. Yeah, I love that breakdown there. We look at the wide receiver core, Austin, and we say what we always knew. Nelson Aguilar is the number one wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders. That's we right. knew it. We called it. Uh, no, all jokes aside here, it's been kind of a weird mess in that wide receiver room. No, it really has been. And Aguilar is the wide receiver one for the last couple of weeks. You know, you look at his numbers and it's pretty good, but then you break it down a little bit further. You know, he had over 10 fantasy points last week and you're like, nice. That's what I like to see. And that's coming on the backs of multiple. Um, let's go ahead, Sear, and take a quick look at how many multiple double digit point games he's had. I mean, 12 and a half last week, um, put up nothing in week eight, but then 19 points the week before that, 13.7, 12.4, really solid production. But then when you take a little closer look at the numbers feeding this production, you're like, oh, kind of getting lucky, my man. I mean, Nelson Aguilar last week, three targets, two catches. One of those was for a touchdown, you know, 55 yards on two catches with a touchdown. Um, and he hasn't broken five receptions all season. So this, this, this works all right, but, it's low volume and I think it's going to switch and flip pretty quick. Yeah. It's like the same thing I think we've seen out of Henry Ruggs too. in his his few games that he's done well, very low volume. Is this just the way the offense is set up, run the ball, run the ball and then play action. I mean, you're usually using Darren Waller to move that team down the field, right? Uh, Between Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs. And then when you want to take a shot, it's with Aguilar, it's with 
uh, Henry Ruggs. And I just don't know, is that something we want to be banking our fantasy production on? I wouldn't feel comfortable starting any wide receiver for the Raiders. Now, if I had to pick one, I still do like Ruggs because he had three targets just like Aguilar did last week. Now, he didn't have a single reception, so he didn't have any points for you. But he did get those three targets, which is the same Aguilar got. And we know what Ruggs is capable of if he does secure one of those passes. The man can take it to the house. Fastest wide receiver. First one taken off the board in a very stacked wide receiver draft class last year. And he's already gotten 118 yards back in week five. So we know that he can do it. Like we said before, rookie wide receivers, every single NFL game is like a semester of education coming your way. I think the future is bright for Henry Ruggs, but it's such a low volumous passing team over there in Las Vegas. Vegas, which one it's going to be any given week. It's, it's, it's really tough to bank on. And if you can avoid starting one of those wideouts, I would. And Darren Waller is a baller. 10 targets last week, Austin. You're, yeah. you're firing them up each and every week. You're never taking them off the field. Darren Waller is one of those few tight ends on the field all the time, but oddly enough, five receptions on 10 targets for just 22 yards. So I don't, I wouldn't be too concerned about that though, because he can catch the passes at any position on the field. He is a red zone threat. He's a football player in the NFL, so he's going to have low weeks, but he has an opportunity for bang games. He has an opportunity for um, just grabbing those touchdowns to save you as well as monsters ahead. All right, Austin, our next matchup on the, on the slate is probably my favorite uh, on the docket. I, I think it, it should have been flexed, but um, this is the, the world we live in. And the Los Angeles Rams will be hosting the Seattle Seahawks. This is a 55.5 point over-under, massive over-under, with Seattle only barely favored by one and a half points here. This is going to be a great game, and so much fantasy football meat is on the bone here. Let's start with those Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson didn't really cook exactly, was kind of uh, spilling all over himself in the kitchen last week. I know, right? First time we've kind of seen it coming in with a lot of turnovers, two interceptions, uh, two fumbles for you. But from a fantasy perspective, it really doesn't matter. 390 yards, two touchdowns, um, five yards rushing, pulled in another touchdown for you on the ground. So this was a disappointing game from MVP Russell Wilson 2020 version, but you're still getting 390 yards. You're still getting two, three touchdowns overall. Um you probably got your a Russell Wilson manager complaining in your group thread about this game. And yet, you know, everybody is saying, just please shut up because he still had uh, a very good fantasy day for you. And DK Metcalf is DK Metcalf, the dynasty wide receiver one, like is DK Metcalf, everything you want as far as going forward in a wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Lockett would be the only thing over there, but I think they complement one another very, very nicely. TK Metcalf, you can make a very strong case is already the number one for the Seattle Seahawks and moving forward, that role is just going to get more and more established. He's also developing more routes in his route tree. He's becoming a more well-rounded player, um, but his intangibles are through the roof. Like DK Metcalf is a freak in so many different ways, strength, size, speed, jumping ability. Um, he's starting to all put it together behind one of the best offenses in the NFL. And from a fantasy perspective, it's just like, good for you. Lock it with a couple back-to-back stinkers. And I shouldn't say stinkers. They just haven't been what we expected out of him after he gave us 200 yards and three touchdowns in week seven. Any concern here with Tyler Lockett going into this game? I imagine Jalen Ramsey should be all over DK Metcalf. I think this kind of sets up maybe for a Tyler Lockett game. 
I think Tyler Lockett is going to have major boom weeks here and there because of the offense that he plays for and the relationship that he has with Russell Wilson. But his floor is going to be what Tyler Lockett's floor has pretty consistently been, and that's around like 40, 50 yards. Um, He's always going to be involved in the passing attack. And for a wide receiver, and I'll say this, like no offense to Tyler Lockett, but we're just not looking at a guy who has – really any crazy exceptional abilities except for this insane rapport with Russell Wilson. And he just does his job. Like he does his job every single time. He's like a Julian Edelman in that sense, but he's a five foot 10, 180 pound receiver um, with a Russell Wilson who has just worked his way up through that system. But you're comparing up against a DK Metcalf now, like you're going to be a role player in that sense, but a very, very good one on extremely voluminous offense. And you have a great relationship with your quarterback. So uh, plan on your at least 50 yards and you'll you'll probably be looked at a couple times in the end zone. And I mean, the man can get your 40 point game. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I think you got to start him just because, you know, the boom could be there and just take five to six points if he if he gives it to you, just because that's what you got to take. Um, I do, I do really. I think I want to hammer home. I, I would. I think this is a locket game uh, as opposed to a Metcalf game. Now, look, I know Metcalf has gone out there and done his his job against any. I mean, he burned Stephon Gilmore on Sunday night. Like, he burned I, him, I and then he threw him to the ground on the next play. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any fear of that. But I tell you what, I'm really excited to see newly paid Jalen Ramsey against newly just w- world beater DK Metcalf. Like this is a matchup I'll be watching. Uh, consistently, but I think it opens up some things for Tyler Lockett. So don't be afraid to start him this week, even though the numbers might say uh, uh, it's going to be tough. Any interest in the tight ends at all, Austin? I know that there's a lot of them there and they're kind of taken from each other's upside here. They really are. It's a weird, it's a weird tight end dynamic. Uh, You see some weeks where they're not getting anything at all. Like I'm talking no targets to a single tight end. And they got Olsen, they got Hollister. We got big Montana, Will Disley over there. And then like last week, where of all those names I mentioned, Hollister is leading the way with seven targets, five receptions, and 60 yards. Greg Olson, who we've seen pop a little bit here and there, two for three with only 13 yards. And then Will Disley, the most on a catch basis, 26-yard reception on his one target there. So, no, I'm not feeling good about any of these tight ends. I'm not starting any of them with confidence. Um, It's cool for the offense. It's good for Russell Wilson that he's got so many other options, but you're not starting one of these tight ends. If you you had to be really desperate, I'd I'd say look at your waiver wire one more time and find a tight end um, who is the only tight end for his team, or at least just one of two. Well, I got to do it to you. I got to send you through this rigor more of the Seattle running backs here. There are so many names to go through here mm-hmm. because of the injuries that have happened here. We have a show sheet with Nation that usually only allows for three running backs. Uh, poor Austin had to put in a couple extra uh, columns here just to get these guys in here. We've got Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, Alex Collin was activated last week. You've got Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde, who should be at the top of the depth chart. What is going on in Seattle with these running backs and and specifically against these Rams, how are you attacking it? You're waiting to see Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson's status, and if either one of them are active and it sounds like they're going to be getting work, you start those running backs. Now, Carson was a potential start two weeks ago, and he hasn't played. Now, we've seen other running backs in similar situations. Aaron Jones said he was going to play that week, and he missed two weeks. Mark Ingram was looking day-to-day after that ankle sprain, and now he's missed a couple of weeks since then, and we don't know exactly when they're coming back so keep an eye close one on chris carson's health moving forward carlos hides as well um so if they're in you're starting them for sure but if they're not 
This week, we saw Travis Homer get more involved than he was week eight when he just had that one carry for four yards. Um, he was involved actually more than any other running back, DJ Dallas and Alex Collins being the other two. Uh, 48% snap share percentage, but he did have six carries compared to Dallas's seven. Um, and just 16 yards on those six carries compared to 31 yards and a touchdown for DJ Dallas. They both got involved a little bit in the passing game there, three for three, 64 yards for Homer. So he had a, a nice day on the air there. Um, DJ Dallas, though, two for two for eight yards. So moving this one forward, DJ Dallas is the new news. He is the running back. They want to see what he's about and will help make decisions on their off season next year. So I would still feel good if I, ha- if, Hyde and Carson are out as they've been the last two weeks. I'm rolling with DJ Dallas. Um, and Alex Collins is, he just really seems like an afterthought and a speller for you. Um, Homer is going to be yeah. eating in, but Dallas would be the start for me. Would you play Homer in any situation? This is kind of a tough matchup. Are you only going to spot start DJ Dallas if those two are out, Carson and, and Hyde? I really can't see a situation where I would say I'm starting Homer over Dallas considering Dallas improved and Homer didn't yeah. do anything to get me really excited. I think you might see Homer involved more in the passing game, but I, I think that Dallas is the guy they want to be the back. If Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson are out. The home team is the Los Angeles Rams, Jared Goff in a really prime uh, stream of start here. No team giving up more points to the fantasy quarterback than the C- uh, Seattle Seahawks, but we have had, Jared Goff bust in good matchups before and just leave you there. So confidence level in streaming Jared Goff this week. It's a weird, it's the, the Seattle Seahawks are really funny, right? They've actually got the number one rush defense going from a fantasy pass, a fantasy perspective. Such a a pass funnel defense. But because I don't think anybody's running. Yeah. I don't think anybody's running on them just because they don't need to. Right. Their pass defense isn't that great. And the Seattle Seahawks offense is really good. So you usually have to get it firing early and often. I think that's what you might see again this week coming out of the, of the Los Angeles Rams and just being forced to do that. Um, Jared Goff last week, well, not last week, the last week he played, they were on by in week nine, but in week eight, we saw him with 61 passing attempts, 35 completions. Ooh. 355 yards, a touchdown, a couple picks, and a couple of fumbles, though. But Jared Goff is going to be the quarterback. He's got some good weapons over there in Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, which we'll touch on in just a second. Um, I think Jared Goff is going to be forced to throw the ball. He's got good weapons. They're not afraid to chuck it. Um, I would feel better about starting Jared Goff this week than I would starting one of the running backs in Los Angeles. Let me ask you some of the guys we've talked about, Jared Goff or Derek Carr or even Drew Locke. How are you ranking him against some of those guys this week in a streamable position? I like Jared Goff this week. I think when you rambled those off real quickly there, um, Jared Goff, because of the opportunity here, they're coming off a bye. I think they're going to have to keep up. We're looking at a 55 and a half point over under where Seattle is favored. So they're projected to play from behind. They're projected to put up points. And I think that's done behind Jared Goff. So I like him this week. They've had time to prepare in the bye. Pretty much all their receivers are healthy. Yeah, I feel good about Jared Goff this week. Talk to me about this running back core because we we were told hot hand. We've seen Daryl Henderson flash. And he got a little dinged up in the last game. And now Cam Akers could be making a return. What are you seeing here? Are you... We talked about Seattle being a tough matchup. Are you maybe just fading all the backs here? Yeah, I'm fading all the backs. And it's a weird committee, right? Like we have some committees like Baltimore 
now and before Ingram got hurt, where all the running backs get work. This committee in Los Angeles is one where you might have Cam Akers have a great week and then not play at all the following week. Malcolm Brown might go off and then he's totally gone. You know, Daryl Henderson, similar type of thing that you can expect. Um, Their floors are zero for you. And it's hard to predict of who's going to be getting the work to start. And this week is no exception for me. When we go back to the last time they played, as you mentioned, Henderson got dinged up. He came out. He only had eight carries. He was number three in that committee with acres coming up with nine and Malcolm Brown having 10 carries. Um, Everybody was catching passes. Everybody had two targets thrown their way. Um, Cam Akers had one, one reception for one target, 19 yards. Um, But they're going with a hot hand approach. And it's really difficult to say who coming out of the bye is going to be their preferred lead back. All right. So let's move on to the wide receivers. Cause I think that's going to be a much more fortuitous matchup here. And that's Cooper cup and Robert Woods going up against that non-existent secondary of the Seattle Seahawks, pretty much utmost confidence firing those guys up this week. Right. Yeah, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods actually remind me of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf in that it's such a locked-in two-wide receiver situation. Uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are both on the field for like 95% of every single game. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, though, aren't far off. Last week, Cup was on the field 97% of the snaps, and Robert Woods was on the field 93% of the snaps. Josh Reynolds there is the number three wide receiver at 81% of the snaps, so it certainly takes a drop down. Um, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are the two wide receivers you want to be starting, and I'm feeling really good about them for both different reasons. Cooper Cup had 20 receptions last week, 11 catches, 110 yards. So we know the relationship he has with Jared Goff. It's not new this year. We've seen it happen in previous years. And the fact that he had 20 attempts last week, you're really excited about that. Robert Woods, while he did just have eight targets and seven catches, 85 yards and a touchdown, and they get him involved in all different kinds of ways. Um, He was running the ball last week, two carries, nine yards, and had a touchdown on the ground. So two touchdowns coming in. They designed plays for Robert Woods, and his pop has looked really good this season after signing that contract with Los Angeles. I'm feeling really good about both of these tight ends, especially in this past funnel, as we talked about earlier, getting going against Seattle. Uh, what any interest in Josh Reynolds, like the, what that flex, it is a great matchup, yeah. uh, but I don't, I just don't know if, uh, if, if you want to start him up, are you, are you good with him? I'm okay with him as a flex start this week. He's got that pop. He's got a high ceiling. You know, it's, it's in a situation where I think Goff could throw like mess around and get four or five passing touchdowns and Reynolds grabs one of those. I'm not surprised at all. Guys, 81% yeah. for sure. He's there. Yeah, I think so, too. Tyler Higby, uh, we have that week two pop against the Eagles, but he's been non-existent. And then Gerald Everett coming back, kind of just killing uh, the vibe there. We said the same thing with the Seattle uh, situation. Maybe just too many tight ends, too many mouths to feed in that room. Yeah, I like the physical upside of a Higby or an Everett more than I do a big Montana or, you know, 42 year old Greg. Olson old Greg or, Olson. Yeah, yeah. Like they're there, but I mean, Everett and Higby, they they've got some pop to them. Like they can make some plays happen and there is just two versus the three. So there's a little added benefit there. Um, you know, we saw Higby on the field, 60% of the snaps, Everett 55% of the snaps. Um, Everett though, nine, nine receptions and five catches there, 30, 32 yards. Higby's not the monster you're hoping for at the beginning of the year. No, I don't think so. I think an injury though to Higby would really pro- project yes. big things for Gerald Everett, which I'd be excited to see Agreed. what could happen there. And maybe vice versa. We'd have to see it though. Um, on the other 
Oh, I guess that's it. Uh, so we're moving that's on from that one. So yeah, uh, on the uh, we're gonna wrap things up here with the Sunday night football game, Austin. We've got the New England Patriots hosting the Baltimore Ravens. This is a forty-one and a half point over under with Baltimore favored by seven. We want to say, Whisper Nation, if you're new to the channel, go ahead and hit like and subscribe. Follow us here on YouTube where we are putting out new content each and every day. Um, we like to do these matchup shows. We also do all sorts of live streams to help you get that W. Austin, if we start with this matchup here, we've got the Baltimore Ravens. Mm -hmm. um, they are just very – they do what they have to do to win games, but they are not helping us win – fantasy football matchups with the production from some of these stars no they're really not are they and the stars at every they have stars at every position and all right. of these stars stars in 2020 have been a, of a disappointment not a flat out disappointment but especially from a consistency point of view yeah so let's start with lamar jackson because uh, we, you and i have had group conversations with a lot of people trying to put uh, lack of respect on uh, Lamar Jackson's name. And I know he's not the world beater fantasy guy that you wanted him to be this year. Um, and, and maybe his, his prospects as an NFL QB are for another conversation. How are you feeling about Lamar Jackson against these Patriots? Once again, this is a low over under. I, I don't see that they're going to need Lamar too much against this banged up uh, COVID stricken New England Patriots team. What is your confidence level in Lamar here? I think I'm not really concerned about the matchup Lamar plays unless it's Kansas city for just, he, he just, they just got his number right now, but I think Lamar is going to rise to a lot of occasions and he'll do whatever the Ravens need for them to win the game. They've just been winning a lot of games in a lot of weird ways from the defense, from the running back committee, even, even Lamar, like he can make it happen. Um, he's, only broken 30 points twice all season in a six-point passing league, but he also hasn't dipped below 16 points all season either. Um, and a lot of that is because of that rushing floor, obviously, which is down, but he still has, I mean, his his fewest rushing attempts take out week five is 45 yards. And we know that he's capable of breaking 100 yards any given week. I'm not really concerned about the defense, to be honest. Even in New England, whose defense has been really like up and down, they let up a lot of points to the Jets last week. But the the situation is going to demand him to do whatever he needs to do to win the game. I think that the dynamic nature of the New England Patriots, even a 2020 Patriots, could create some cracks for Lamar Jackson to have to bust out two or three or four Lamar Jackson plays, whether that's a deep pass to Mark Andrews or that's a 60-yard sprint for a touchdown. Um, I'm actually feeling really good about Lamar Jackson this week. I think it's like a low-key showcase game that should be better than it is, but has all of the makings to encourage these players to really come and show out. And I think Lamar Jackson is going to surprise some people. The metrics wouldn't suggest this is a great game. Like you said, it's a low over under um, the pass defense, the rush defense. Um, it's not an amazing opportunity here um, for the Baltimore, but I think Lamar is going to have a good game this week. Yeah. If you look back at last year, Lamar actually was, uh, you know, it was a tough matchup against the Patriots on Sunday night and he came out and just balled out. And that was against a much better New England Patriots defense last year. So I kind of like what you're saying there. I might be buying into the Kool-Aid. Can you give me the same kind of Kool-Aid sale on this backfield? Because I don't know what to make of it. I mean, even in the, in the splits with Mark Ingram out, you saw what could have been a good game for J.K. Dobbins. Gus Edwards just kind of getting the goal line carries. Yeah. J.K. Dobbins kind of being that, you know, pop guy here and there. But I just don't know if I can trust either of these guys. 
No, you can't. Um, this is a similar kind of situation to what we talked about with Miami earlier with the Gaskins and the Jordan Howard dynamic. J.K. Dobbins has been the more efficient runner as of late and hasn't even been close. J.K. Dobbins has looked really good um, from a, a elusive perspective on the entire season. J.K. Dobbins is the number four running back here just behind Dalvin Cook. Um, so he's getting it done. He's a rookie running back. He had led the team in carries last week with 12 carries compared to Gus Edwards, 11 Gus Edwards though, is getting the goal line work. He fumbled the ball near the goal line and they still gave him the rock again after that. Mm. Um, so it's tough. It's kind of, it kind of sucks as a JK Dobbins situation because if they gave him more of that goal line work, he'd be in a strong RB two position. Uh, but because he's not, I'm putting him as an RB three and Gus Edwards is, is somewhat of a, He's he's an okay flex because he is still getting that work, double-digit carries most weeks. He's been down the last couple weeks. He has had really tough defensive matchups going up against the number one rush defense in Pittsburgh and the number four rush defense there in Indianapolis. Um, So he hasn't had an easy matchup. New England is, we'll see. You know, it's the easiest run matchup he's had as he's been a focal point of the run game with Mark Ingram out. So I think Edwards actually has a a decent shot to outperform what he's done the last two weeks, and he he hasn't been awful. J.K. Dobbins, I'm feeling pretty good about moving forward. He's gotten better and better. He looks legitimate. And if Mark Ingram can just stay on the bench, I think both options are okay moving forward fantasy-wise. Patriots had started out really good against the run over the last three weeks. They've ballooned up. Now they're giving up 23.4 fantasy points per game to the position. So you think with Baltimore, a seven point favorite here, are you interested in playing both of these backs? I kind of am. Yeah. I'm not hating it at all. I I don't think, I think the Patriots mess around and get lucky in a lot of weird ways. They shouldn't have won that game against the jets and they still did. Baltimore is not going to play that same kind of business. You're not going to have that luxury. I project Baltimore going up quick and early and then pounding the rock and bleeding the Patriots out for the rest of the game. You aptly said Mark Andrews is the Alvin Kamara of tight ends. You've said that before. Uh, How are you feeling about Mark Andrews going into this game? Because he's been so touchdown dependent. Yeah, he has been on the field uh, less than Nick Boyle has, um, which isn't really a big concern because their roles are so different. When Mark Andrews is on the field, we know what he's there to do, and that's catch passes, move the chains, score touchdowns. But he hasn't scored a touchdown since week five. He hasn't broken – I'm looking at the numbers here. The man hasn't broken 60 yards all season. Um, and a lot of that is coming from the way the Baltimore offense is moving the ball. They're not having to create volume. They're not having to rack up a bunch of yards. Um, they're scoring in a lot of different ways. And from a football perspective, you're not going to slow that down. Mark Andrews talent remains for the Baltimore Ravens and they can bust it out if they need to, but they haven't had to. And I don't see them all of a sudden deciding to turn it on. I'd be expecting more out of Marquise Brown coming up than I would from Mark Andrews because I, I just don't know why. Like they're playing Boyle more. Andrews hasn't done anything to to claim it. Um, dagger full center. So I, I just don't. I think, I, maybe I you can tell you me can, why. But I like, can, no, I think you can bench Mark Andrews. I I, I mean, I don't want to be crazy and bold, but I think you can. This is a terrible matchup against the Patriots. They're the second worst matchup in fantasy football. You talked about the snap share going more Boyle's way because they want to run the ball, be efficient, win games, and Nick Boyle is a better blocker. Mark Andrews is a great athletic tight end who makes circus catches, and now that I've said this, will probably score on Sunday Night Football. 
But I'm telling you right now, I think you can bench Mark Andrews and you can look at guys that are streamable like an Austin Hooper if he can come back healthy or some of these other guys that are out there and just roll the dice with them instead because Andrews is not the guy we thought he was going to be. When we were taking him in the fourth and fifth round in the offseason, it was out of projected volume. This offense does not have that projected volume, right? And so that leads me to the question on Marquise Brown. Are you okay firing up Marquise Brown? Because, Austin, I'm looking at the numbers here. The guy hasn't had double-digit fantasy points in almost a month. I mean, his last – it was week five when he finally uh, got 10 targets, six catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown. How are you feeling about Marquise Brown? I thought last week we're going to see something different after those squeaky wheel comments came out and right. they were honored by Lamar Jackson. We see that in the NFL all the time where a, 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 a talented number one wide receiver makes comments about their lack of involvement and the team response, the quarterback honors that. That didn't happen last week. Um, he had five targets, caught three passes. And Marquise Brown is that player you're expecting to do so much with the targets that he collects, and he just hasn't done that. Three catches for 38 yards the week before. One catch for three yards. Going back before that, four catches, 57 yards. Like, we're, we're dancing around you know, 10, 15 yards per reception. For a player like Marquise Brown, you're hoping to see him push 20-plus, and he's not. He's made comments. Things haven't changed. The team keeps winning and doing what they're doing. So I, it's, he's going to mess around and get some really big plays and it's going to happen, but I don't think it's baked into what they're cooking. On the other side of the ball, there's not a lot of cooking going on with these Patriots. We thought it was looking good after two weeks into the season and they've been really bad since then. Uh, they did show signs of life against the jets, but again, it is the jets. jets. How are you feeling in this one? Uh, low over under Newton as an underdog. Are you confident in rolling Newton back out there? If you maybe streamed him uh, for the jets? No, the Baltimore Ravens are going to love stuffing Cam Newton. Cam Newton yeah. last week had two touchdowns on the ground rushing. He had 274 yards through the air on 27 completions, 35 attempts. The man wants to run the ball. The man knows that's where his real value comes in, how he's able to win games. And he's an approve it year. I, I think those commercials are right. He wants the respect coming his way. And the best way he's going to get that is by running for first downs, running for touchdowns. If I know that here, you know, talking with you, big Travi here on Tuesday in Los Angeles, the Baltimore Ravens sure as heck know that as well. Yeah. And they are going to look to make a statement in this game and making a statement against Cam Newton means stopping him behind the line of scrimmage. I don't see Cam Newton having another game like he did against the jets. And we could just say that about, I mean, that, We'll leave it there for Cam Newton, but no, I would not feel good starting Cam Newton this week. I almost picked him up last week. I didn't when I saw he playing Baltimore. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely like that. And I know you were kind of teasing that we could say that again for the rest of the offense. We kind of can with them playing Baltimore this week. I just don't see an avenue where you're really feeling confident. And that's coming off Jacoby Myers getting 14 targets uh, right last week. And you saw yeah. against the Jets what he was able to do there. But this is the Baltimore Ravens. This is the cream of the crop defensively right now. Maybe ball, Maybe Pittsburgh's better. Anybody in the passing in the passing game in the running game that you're confident in this week, um, and if you can make a case for him. Great point there, Jacoby Myers. There, he had his 14 receptions, 12 
12 catches, 169 yards. Again, that was against the Jets. They're playing against the Baltimore Ravens this week. And then Darius Bird, nine receptions or nine targets, five catches, 65 yards. None of these guys have real talent that they're bringing to the table. Uh, they're all going to get a rude awakening comparing the Jets against the Baltimore Ravens. So not from the aerial assault on the ground. Damian Harris went down. Um, Sony Michelle could be coming back. That just makes for a more muddled backfield. James White is droppable. Uh, James White's role is just going to be different from what it's been in years past. The Patriots love him and he does his job really well, but he's just not going to get enough volume, not enough production to actually make those pass attempts worthwhile. And Rex Burkhead is just always in there doing his thing. You know, he's going to get you your 40, 50 yards, and maybe he catches a couple of passes. Um, Rex Burkett is the highest floor of all of them. I like what we were seeing with Damian Harris. He was killing it from an efficiency perspective, mm. but he left and he didn't come back. And um, so that takes his ceiling down. And then Sonny Michelle coming back in, they play similar roles as well. No, I'm not trusting anybody on the ground this week. I'm not trusting anybody on the air this week. I don't trust the, the Patriots defense. No. <laughs> no, just no. I, I agree, man. I, I can't make a case for it anyway. Uh, Whisper Nation, you let us know in the comments below if you agree. Uh, we uh, have wrapped this one up here, and we are good to go. We have done the Week 10 matchup preview show here with my my guy, Austin Sear. And uh, for Austin Sear, I'm Big Travi. We're the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.